Good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to welcome you. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. All of you joining us by means of audio or video podcast, uh, we're excited to have you with us as well. Grab a Bible, open it to the book of Revelation chapter 3. As the man most likely to be called on to preach your funeral, uh, there's something I like to say to you today. Um, and it's not a joke. Uh, I am most likely uh, to be called on to preach most of your funerals. And so let's, uh, let's, let's say something up front and, and directly, and that is simply this. You, you must not fail to comprehend that this is your one and only chance at life. Do you understand that? You must not fail to comprehend that this is your one and only chance at life. You only have so many days. You only have so many years of health and strength and youth. You only have one chance with your kids. You can raise them. You can ruin them. I mean, we only have one chance to serve the Lord to make a difference for him. This life is the only life you get under heaven. And that's true in our individual lives, but it's also true as a church. And that's where it gets very complicated because the church is just a of course, a, a collection, a family of individuals. And so what's true in your individual life is true of our life together as a church. This is really our only chance, our chance, mine and yours together at being Woodburn Baptist Church. The church has been around for about 148 years, but this is the chapter that we contribute to, the chapter that we live out. I wouldn't say we write it, but we do determine much of what happens by our obedience or disobedience to the Lord. This is our only chance to make a difference and serve the Lord and try to fulfill his purposes for us as Woodburn Baptist Church. This is it. It's, 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 it's all we get. Now, nobody, I don't, I don't think anybody as an individual ever makes it their plan to accomplish nothing with their life. Nobody ever sets out to simply watch, you know, old gun smoke reruns and eat beans out of the can for the rest of your life. And I mean, nobody does that. And no church ever sits down and decides intentionally to accomplish nothing until everybody's dead and then they just lock the doors. I mean, nobody intends to accomplish nothing. It's simply that we're always going to do it later. Most of us are going to get our stuff together. We're just going to do that sometime later. As a church, we're going to get serious. We're going to get revived. We're going to do amazing things, but but later doesn't come, and time gets by, and we fail to accomplish the purposes that God has created us for. My, my question to you today is, is simply, what if? What if you and I as individuals first, what if we got our stuff together? What if we got serious and surrendered and committed to the Lord? What if we began doing all the things we know we're supposed to be doing? What if we got it together, you and I, and we managed to do all that at the same time? What if we could do that for five years? What would that look like if, if you and I together could keep it all together and stay in perfect obedience to the Lord for five years? What would happen? For, from what everything God has revealed to our church through the last few years, it would look like what we call the 2020 vision. If your guests this morning understand, the 2020 vision is, is the way we talk about our church's mission and purpose from the Lord. It is uh, a plan that God has shown us that he wants us to plant 20 churches by the year 2020. Now, at one point, that sounded like a long time, a long, long time. Now we're down to five years. So the bottom line is if we manage to 
stay together and stay in fellowship and stay in perfect obedience to the Lord for five years, what will happen? What will happen is what we call the 2020 vision, and there's no question that that's what God wants to do. Look at your Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, just two verses from a message that Jesus himself delivers to a church called Philadelphia. Now, it's not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, understand. It's Philadelphia, the name of a church that was an ancient early church in Asia Minor and one of seven churches that is addressed directly by Jesus in the book of Revelation. Just a few verses here from that message. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 says this. Write this letter to the angel, the messenger of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, he says, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. And the message goes on, but I'm going to stop right there. I know all the things that you do, he says, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Jesus introduces himself here as the one who holds the key of David, the one who opens a door that no one can close and closes doors that no one can open. Yeah. I don't have the key of David I do have this key. This is a sign of my status and position at Woodburn Baptist Church. I have this key. I think Warren Weeks has this key. Uh, it says GM on it, which stands for, wait for it, Grand Master. <laughs> Grand Master. I have at Woodburn Baptist Church the key that opens every door. Yeah. Incidentally, how many doors do you think there are at Woodburn Baptist Church? Yeah, I, I think 138. I, I counted this week. I did not count like the stall doors in the men's room. I, I thought no. And I didn't count the cabinet doors in the kitchen or closet doors. But I believe of all the regular doors in the church, 138. And what this key says is no matter what door you go through, you can't lock me out. Understand? I have access, and that's what the key represents and gives me. I have access to every inch, every room in this church. Uh, it's access. It's also authority. Again, it's, it's the key I receive as the leader. And holding these keys, we have the privilege of locking and unlocking all 138 doors before and after church, which becomes a job. But, but I'm saying this is the key that, that opens every door uh, at Woodburn Baptist Church. Jesus says... I hold the key of David. In other words, he's the grand master of the universe. And he says, I open doors that no one can close, and I will close the doors that no one can open. Do you understand? Jesus and Jesus alone has ultimate access and authority to everything, to all places. He's Lord of all. And this is what he says. I Hold the key, and I open doors, and I close doors that no one else can open and close, and I know you. That's what he says in verse 8 to the church. I know you. And because I know you, I take it upon myself to open and close doors for you. This is what he says. I know your works, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. I love that. I've opened a door for you that no one can close. 
back in the uh, early 80s, there was a couple that got married, Doug and Sylvia. They're actually still married. Um, but back then, Doug and Sylvia didn't have a lot of money. They were a couple starting out. Uh, they started dreaming about their honeymoon, and they decided that they wanted to go to a big city and stay in one of those big city hotels and get the honeymoon suite. Now, in the early 80s, they had only really seen honeymoon suites on television shows or something like that, but they got a brochure that showed this picture of this amazing bedroom, this amazing honeymoon suite, and they decided this is all we want to do. This is where we're going, uh, this honeymoon suite, this big hotel, big city, and that's what they did. So they got married. The wedding day was gorgeous. They got in the car, they drove to the city, they arrived late at night, they got to the hotel, they went to the desk to check in. The manager was there, he said, oh my goodness, you have the honeymoon suite? They said, yes, we do, we just got married. They laughed and celebrated that, and then the manager handed them the key, the key to the honeymoon suite. They went up the stairs, they stuck the key in the door, they opened the door, and sure enough, they opened the door into a beautiful room. There was a gorgeous couch there were tables and chairs and all kinds of furniture, but there was one thing that was missing. And on your honeymoon, it's kind of the most important thing. And There was no bed. Y'all know about honeymoons, right? I mean, the bed matters, and there was no bed. And so they're thinking about the brochure. They're thinking about what they expected and suddenly realizing this is lame. This is the worst honeymoon suite ever, but it was so late, they just decided to try to make do. So having a redneck background, they at least knew to check out the couch. And sure enough, Doug took the cushions off, and that couch folded out into a bed. So they folded out the couch in the honeymoon suite. Have you ever slept on a fold-away bed? There was a metal bar right across their back. They had a, a mattress on that bed that was approximately, you know, the, the thickness of this, this, this bulletin right here. Uh, it was miserable. Uh, they didn't sleep well. They were mad. They got madder the longer they rolled around on that couch. Finally, Doug got up, stormed downstairs, went back to the desk, and demanded to speak to the manager. Manager came and he said, listen, th this is unacceptable. This honeymoon suite is completely unacceptable. It's the worst room. It's a tiny room. There's not even a bed. He started just yelling. He was so angry. The manager just let him talk for a moment. Then finally the manager just said, sir, did you open all the doors? Doug said, oh, what, what do you mean? I mean, again, most of us hotel rooms, you walk in the door and you're in. But the manager said, come with me. He took him back upstairs, back to the honeymoon suite to the very room, opened the door. There's Sylvia in her gown on the couch, mad. But then the manager walks past the couch to this door, which Doug remembers seeing, but he thought it was a closet. But when the manager opened the door, it opened into this spacious, gorgeous bedroom with a giant bed with rose petals and a giant tub shaped like a heart. I mean, that was the honeymoon suite they were looking for. But do you recognize they would have never found it because they didn't open the door? You see, it's very, very important that you open the doors. And that's why Jesus says, I know you. Church, I, I know you. I know your past. I know your present. I know your future. And I am the one that opens and closes doors for you. So just very simply, some principles for your life and also principles for our church. Principle number one, Jesus leads us forward by, say it, opening and closing doors. This is how your life works as a believer. It's how our life works as a church. Jesus leads us forward by opening and closing doors. 
Now, you've probably been in that situation where you get to a point in your life where suddenly this path you've been traveling, this job, or this opportunity, it just closes. It's over. And suddenly you recognize that 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 part of your life is finished. God works that way. Jesus works that way. He will close doors. In the very same way, you'll be going along the path of your life and suddenly a door will open. A new opportunity, a new direction, a new road just opens up underneath your feet. Jesus leads us forward by opening and closing doors. Okay, so follow uh, with me. Follow Jesus always means we walk boldly through doors he opens. When Jesus opens a door, you walk boldly through that. I I remind you, life is short, and you don't have nearly enough time to stand out on the porch and think about it. You understand? Some opportunities are not infinite. Some doors are only open to you for a short time. When Jesus opens a door, he means for you to walk on through it. Remember, he knows you. He sees everything. He has all access and all authority. When he opens a door, it's time. It's time for you to obey. It's time for you to walk through. Following Jesus means we walk boldly through doors he opens. Don't hesitate. Don't stumble. Don't ask why. Don't look for a second opinion. You walk through his open doors. At the very same time, when a door is closed, you Move on. You move on. Your whole life is going to be a series of closed and open doors. And some of us don't deal very well with closed doors. We fall in love with the present or we fall in love with the past. Or we just imagine that life will continue like it is right now forever. And it never does. Doors eventually close. And that chapter of your life that you love so much will end. And when that chapter ends, a new chapter begins. But you've got to be willing to move on. Some of you are standing outside closed doors right now, and your life is stuck, and it will be stuck until you move on. That door is closed. And Jesus says, when I close the door, nobody is going to reopen it. Understand? When a door is closed, we move on. So as I said, we must not try to open a door he has closed Or close the door that he has opened. He has the key. Do you understand? He has all access and all authority. And some of you, this is how you live your life. You try to open doors that he has closed. You you try to beat the door down. You try to blow through the obstacles. You are determined, determined to chart your own path. And Jesus is not going to give his access and authority to you. You must not try to open a door he has closed. And you must not try to close a door he has left open. Some of you do this too. You've tried to close a door on a marriage that Jesus does not say is finished. You've tried to close a door on a job that Jesus is not finished with you yet. You are not the one who opens and closes doors. You understand? Your purpose is to go through the doors he opens and to move on past the doors that he closes. So if you think of your life, if we think of our church's life as a path of open and closed doors, then this is what I want you to see today. If Woodburn Baptist Church, if we follow the path of open and closed doors for the next five years, then this is what we know. Many souls will be saved and we will plant many churches. If we follow the path of open and closed doors, 
What Jesus seems to have been saying to our church for years now is that we're going to win many souls and we're going to plant many churches. It's the 2020 vision that we believe God has given us together to, to plant churches. Now, I know some of you are asking right now, why are we on this church planting thing? Why should churches plant churches? Aren't we supposed to be just preaching the gospel and winning souls? And, and yes, we all have the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize and make disciples. You understand? That's exactly the great commission. That hasn't changed. But what you need to understand is planting churches is the oldest and most effective way of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's why Paul did it. You understand? That's what Paul was doing. Now, in the United States, about 60, 70 years ago, it began what they call the church growth movement. In the United States, for the last several decades, we focus more on church growth. And in this period of time, we have grown individual churches to levels that previous generations couldn't have imagined. We have a new word now that most people recognize and understand. We have the word megachurch. A megachurch is a monster church, and God bless all of them. Most of them are doing really, really good work. God bless them. But understand, that's not always the way churches understood their mission, just to grow into a megachurch. But before this church growth movement, most churches recognized that the most effective way to reach people was to go out and start new churches. Now, Woodburn Baptist Church, the church you're sitting in, is, is 148 years old. We were once a new church plant. Providence Knob Baptist Church, which is over in Rockfield, Providence Knob Baptist Church is considered the mother church of most of the churches in Warren County. Providence Knob started us and started most of the other churches that you can name. Providence Knob started First Baptist in Bowling Green. You understand? So church planting is nothing new at all. It's what churches used to do all the time. And it seems like it's what the Holy Spirit is calling us back to. Back to this method that, that was good enough for Paul and good enough to get most every church you can name onto the map. It's how the Holy Spirit works. Now, here's a simple principle that I want you to see. New churches reach unchurched people. Most of you have never really been in a new church, so you don't understand this. You've spent all of your life in an established church. Again, Woodburn Baptist Church is nearly 150 years old. I'd say we're established. But recognize, established churches tend to attract church people. Most of you became members of Woodburn Baptist Church not by becoming a new believer, you didn't come through the waters of baptism. You came by transferring your membership from another church. And we're glad to have you. Now stay. But recognize established churches tend to attract church people. New churches tend to attract unchurched people, lost people. Franklin Community Church, what we used to call the Franklin Campus, is a church predominantly made up of brand new believers. And that gets messy, and that gets crazy, but it looks like the Great Commission. Lighthouse at Nolan Lake and any other new church you can name, they are baptizing, they are reaching new people because they're new churches. Now, that doesn't mean bad news for a church like ours. Churches that plant churches stay revived and healthy. Because we manage to keep the focus on the Great Commission. We keep the focus on the gospel. We stay on the purpose that Christ created us for. So I just gave you three things. 
that it's the oldest and most effective strategy in the book for winning souls, that new churches reach uh, new people, and that planting churches will keep an, an established church revived and, and on focus. Uh, let me illustrate that with one single illustration. It would be the report from the Warren Association of Baptists this past fall. Just, just a couple of weeks ago it came out. One of the things Warren Association will celebrate are new believers because that's what we're all doing. We're all always trying to lead people to Christ. So we count people who come to Christ. And usually at the Warren Association, they count baptisms as a way of keeping track of, of new believers. With that celebration, they will usually publish the top 10 churches, the churches leading the association in, in, in new converts and winning people to Christ. And it's really exciting that Woodburn Baptist Church made that top 10. We have for the last few years, but we made the top 10. We are one of the leading churches in winning souls. Praise God. That would be exciting enough. But understand, in the top 10 list above us are two other churches, two other churches above us. One of them is Franklin Community Church. Franklin Community Church is in the top 10. That means of all of the, the big churches that you can name in this community that have been around forever, Franklin Community Church now leads them in winning people to Christ, including us. They're in the top 10. And so is Lighthouse at Nolan Lake. Lighthouse at Nolan Lake, actually above us, understand, Leading people to Christ, winning new souls. So in the top 10 of churches leading in new converts, three of those are directly traced back to this church's 2020 vision. And that's not boasting in us. I just want you to understand that maybe, very honestly, there's confirmation that the Lord's opening these doors for us and we need to be willing to walk through them. This past May, our church made a decision to establish what we call the Church Planting Network. It's a, it's, we hate the word committee, of course, but it's a body of people. It's a team of people from our church who have come together to really focus and strategize and help us learn how to come alongside those whom God calls to plant churches. Brian Mefford is leading that group for our church. And I want to bring Brian up now to talk a little bit how, how God is working through Church Planting Network. Brian Mefford, uh, let's thank him for the work he's doing already. God bless him. got room there, brother. Uh, Perfect. I'll try to share my table with you here, Brian. I'll, I'll make some room for you. Brian, the question a lot of people are going to ask uh, from the start is, who else is on this group with you? Who else forms the church planting network uh, with you? If you don't mind, before I jump into the list, let me give some context to, to why, why this work of this group initially is, how we're approaching it, why yeah, it's please. important here early on. We have a partnership, Woodburn Baptist Church has a partnership with missionaries in Southeast Asia and uh, sister churches in Ohio. One of those churches left earlier in the week, uh, and, and as Tim has been preaching, they literally have been unrolling sleep mats in a very remote village in Southeast Asia uh, because they're kicking off a week's worth of uh, testifying and doing water projects in this very remote village. So even as we've been gathered here this morning, we have a group that's focused on starting house churches, literally on the other side of the planet, rolling out sleep mats today. And they'll be talking, they'll be in homes all week, meeting with, with villagers and farmers, most of whom have never, ever heard the, the name of Jesus Christ. That's the opportunity that they've got. Now, I tell you that because we hear something like that, and, and that kind of makes my 
head explode a little bit. And I, it's hard to wrap our minds around how do we, how do we come up with, with churches like that? What, did, what are those house churches going to look like in, Indonesia, in, in Southeast Asia as well as you know, here at home? And it's, it's difficult to do, and I think that sort of paralyzes us sometimes because we can't figure out what those are going to look like. We don't know. But what, we've, what this group has begun to, to sort of take relief in is we don't have to predict what those churches are going to look like. We don't have to necessarily worry about that. What we want to worry about is the fact that people plant churches. We're going to figure out how we can organize so that we can care for these people who are going to plant these churches. And so this group is coming together with different skill sets to get the effort started so we can organize Woodburn Baptist Church in a way that best supports these people who are going to plant the churches. And so the initial list of folks who have, who have volunteered to spend some time in the initial organization uh, are Gretchen Cherry, Denise Cornell, Joe Cox, Wade Harris, Jana Hightower, Tommy Johnson, Mark McElroy, Chris Sweeney, and uh, Chip Willingham. Yeah, many of those in this room right here. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for stepping up to, to lead. Um, so you've been started working on this since about May, uh, drilling down into the vision and uh, sort of trying to strategize on behalf of the church. Uh, what have you learned? What have you discovered? Uh, what, what can you tell us about the situation as you see it? I'll, I'll point out probably three key discoveries early on. The, the first one, it, it's been interesting. It, it's been a surprise, I think, to a lot of us, which is, how surprised these people who are planning churches are when, they're, when they discover that there's a church that's willing to support them in the way that, that, that Woodburn has stepped up and, and, and said, we want to support you as a church planter. Yeah, so many churches compete and don't support. That, that's it. And, yeah. and so it, it's such, um, uh, it's, it's um, just the, the best thing that, they, that we can do for them again giving them whatever, helping address whatever needs that they have. As they're going, you know, going from zero to 60, starting a church, there is so much, as you can imagine, that goes into starting a church from nothing. And so uh, to, to find that, that kind of support um, and, and the ability to, to seek mentorship uh, from, from you and from others here, uh, and then to tap into the talents and the, and the, and the experiences that this congregation has, uh, this is very meaningful. Now, the, a couple other uh, pieces of learning, the discoveries that we've had early on, it's been encouraging to see that, that groups like the Kentucky Baptist Convention and the North American Mission Board and, and International Mission Board, they too have, have, have really uh, latched on to this, the, the importance of, of church planting e even more here uh, of late. Uh, but what we're seeing is that I think be even because of that and, and, and perhaps more, more so than ever, it's important that there is a local church connection that sort of acts as a hub for all the spokes that are being created with church plants. Yeah. One, one last thing, and I just had a conversation with somebody in between services, uh, and this is a discovery that we're seeing here, here locally. We have an opportunity here in Warren County to, to serve the world here in Warren County. You all know that, right? I mean, it's, it, this is amazing. We have this, so the, the, the teacher I was talking to uh, teaches uh, English as a second language at one of the local elementary schools. There's 700 students in this school. 210 of them are students in the English as second language program. Oh. And, and so we, we have several church members who are involved in, in international missions here locally. But you're going to see some of the church plants that we're already supporting have made that a focus to reach the world that's coming to us here in Warren County. Well, tell us about the churches we're already supporting. We have helped already start five churches. Um, tell us about those. Uh, yeah. Introduce us to, the, to those churches we've helped. So we, 
mentioned a, a couple of them uh, already, but of course the Franklin Community Church uh, that you're, you're all very familiar with. Uh, Church on the Square in, in Perry, Oklahoma, uh, led by, by Brian Ahern. Uh, Nueva Vida is a church here locally that, that Woodburn has supported over the years, uh, focused on reaching the, the Hispanic community. Right. Uh, Lighthouse uh, at Nolan Lake, which we'll talk a, a bit more about in, in just a moment. And then Ecclesia is a brand new church plant uh, that, that's here in, in Bowling Green and just doing a, a, a tremendous job. Yeah, that's exciting. That's the list as it is mm -hmm. for 2020. Uh, well, tell us good news. Tell us the things that we can celebrate and praise God for at, at this particular moment in the 2020 vision. Uh, I'm glad to. I, I've actually asked uh, some, of the, some of the church planters to, to provide uh, to help with that. So I've got a, a couple letters, if I can read just snippets of, of these. Yeah. The first one is from, from Lighthouse, uh, Lighthouse Church at Nolan Lake, and you're seeing some of the pictures that are from, from Lighthouse. Exciting things going on here. If you haven't met uh, Pastor Chris Matthews, I hope you'll be able to soon. Uh, he, he's a great guy and just doing, he, he and his family are doing amazing things. But Chris says, greetings and blessings from your brothers and sisters in Christ at the Lighthouse at Nolan uh, Lake. The Lighthouse has just celebrated our first anniversary as a constituted church. We have grown to an active church of 41 members with 32 baptisms. Yeah. You got that, right? Say that again. How many members? 41 members. And how many baptisms? 32 baptisms. Yeah. So everybody except the pastor and his family uh, is a brand new believer. That's the way. So that's awesome, man. That is so good. He says we have grown to an active, I'm sorry, we have four diverse Sunday school classes, a youth and children's ministry that meets on Tuesdays. While our Bible study meeting is ongoing, the Lighthouse has an active and relevant Celebrate Recovery ministry. We have women's and men's ministry that meets monthly, and in September we ordained our first deacon. Uh, November saw the Lighthouse as one of seven churches voted into the association with KBC at the annual meeting, and we were also active uh, in the cooperative support uh, uh, with SBC. said, so, we the members of, of Lighthouse are forever in your debt. We are eternally linked in service to our Lord Jesus. We want to thank you for being obedient to seeing the lost saved and the kingdom advanced in his service, Chris Matthews. Yeah, Chris Matthews is great. Lighthouse is the congregation that we gave one of our mobile units to, and they use that now for a sanctuary space. That's where they're worshiping this morning. Uh, That's right. God bless them. They're doing good work. Lighthouse is awesome. <laughs> Pastor Chris Matthews right there. Next one is uh, Ecclesia, which we mentioned. Uh, and this is Tim Brown. Many of you know Tim. Uh, he's, uh, he and his family have spent time here at, at Woodburn, and, and they, uh, Tim leads some of the, the fire team activities that uh, many of you are part of. Uh, and, and so Tim writes us and he says, first off, the word ecclesia traces all the way back uh, to the way that uh, the first followers of Christ met. And it meant an assembly of people with a shared belief. When you look at the root words uh, that it comes from, it literally means to simultaneously gather and scatter. Talk more about that, gathering and scattering. That's, that's sort of the, the, their, their theme. So they, they organized around a, a number of what if questions. What if we could do ministry different? What if all we do is not focused on Sunday morning, but the rest of the week in our homes, communities, and workplaces? What if we could focus on the people outside the walls of the church? What if we could teach young families to pastor their homes? Uh, what if we could relentlessly pursue the millennial generation that's disappearing from our churches? What if we could make men feel welcome and needed in our community of faith? And what if we could put ministry into the hands of ordinary people and not just paid staff? And so Tim writes that, uh, those what-if questions led us to begin meeting uh, in, in September, and since that day, he says, 
We begin a family discipleship curriculum that sets the table on Sunday mornings for the families uh, that then go out uh, through the week and, and minister. We, have a re we regularly serve in the community weekly uh, that through a number of existing uh, nonprofits, and uh, they have uh, every sixth Sunday, uh, they go out and, and, and do a service project, and, and that's called our, our Hands and Feet Sundays. They've dedicated every Thursday to the millennials in our community with a free meal, a Bible study, and just time to, to hang out, ask questions, and be a part of this group. They hold weekly Bible study uh, in the back of a local pizza restaurant uh, where everyone is welcome. They baptize, we baptize our, our, our new believer, uh, our first new believer just recently. Uh, and here's an interesting uh, point, and there's the, the baptism there, there on yeah. the screen. Tim Brown, pastor. That's right. Tim, and uh, that their, their first new believer baptism. Uh, but Tim finishes the, the letter by saying, we've never asked for an offering or passed a collection plate around. He said, we do have a basket sitting by the door that anyone feels led can drop in an offering. But he said, so far we've received almost $34,000 and spent about 13,000. He said, other than $30 weekly that we paid to a, a college worship leader, we do not have paid staff. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So I mean, Ecclesia. And you've got some pictures here. These, these are pictures from, from some of the local uh, outreach uh, activities. Uh, again, this, they're, they're focused on uh, reaching a part of this international population. Uh, again, the, with, with the world coming to Warren County, they're, they're really seeing opportunity for, uh, for witnessing and, and bringing new, new believers they're to the They're doing excellent work. Tim Brown is the pastor, and we have already as a church uh, said that we would ordain him after the first of the year, so we will have the privilege of ordaining him. They meet upstairs at Briarwood Dental, which is where I go to the dentist. There's a picture uh, there. Yeah, pretty amazing. There's a second story there, and they meet there. And uh, God is really blessing and using them. Their midweek uh, Bible study is at Mr. B's Pizza. Uh, I'm joining that church, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving. That, that's awesome. Well, and, and who could ever imagine? You look at that picture, and, and unsuspecting place. I mean, who, who could have imagined that that place above the dentist office and the bank bank is going to be the, the place that, that starts, as a, houses a, a new church start? And again, that's, that's a part of the point of we don't have to figure those things out. Tim, Tim has that, that vision and that passion, and, and his wife and his family are so supportive, and they've gathered together with other local families. And, and, and the, the best thing that we can do, and, and Tim Brown has said this over and over, is, is just be supportive of them. And the church has already stepped up and done that. Just basic things like being able to outfit their, their nursery. They, they have young, you know, young kids coming, and they're a new church. We don't really want to go spend money on new, new toys. Well, we, we can help take care of that. We provided worship leaders. Some of our young adults, our, our college students, have been leading worship there. Uh, Tim mentioned to me the first time we talked, he said, I, you know, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Can you, can you all help with that? So we've been providing worship leaders. So things like that that just, just go a long way to, to help this church take root and get off the ground. Yeah. What else? Who else? Any um, other? So, yeah, so the last one, last letter is from our, our, our friends in Southeast Asia. And, and we, we get gener generic about how we refer to our friends there, what they're doing, and, and, um, and, and who they are uh, specifically. Because they are they're witnessing, they're, they're growing churches uh, in, a, in a place, in a country that's the largest Muslim population in the world. Uh, and, and again, these are people who haven't heard the name Jesus Christ ever before in, in their lives. Uh, so it's, it's, it's sometimes not the safest thing to do to be, to be evangelizing about Jesus Christ in, in some of these areas. Uh, but this is a letter from, from our, our missionary friends there. And she starts out by saying it, it, it started raining this week and it's a big relief to the people here and an answer uh, 
to prayer for the farmers. She said, next week we'll be doing a water project in, in this village. Uh, and she says, please lift up a team of six coming from Ohio to help with the water project. They arrive in country on Saturday the 22nd, and our distribution will take place on the 23rd. We'll be visiting homes all week and looking for chances to share the good news with the people. Please pray for health, for safety traveling, and for a supernatural energy from the Lord. These weeks have been, been challenging, but we've been amazed at how he has provided for us. We've been fasting and praying. This is how she closes. Uh, regularly for the people in the country that we're in. And would you join us in prayer each day next week, this, this upcoming week. Pray, she asks, for open doors and soft hearts, for clear language and bold passion, for the name of Jesus to be made famous in this village and in this county and all throughout the province and in the, in the country. We'd appreciate prayers, especially around 7 a.m. Eastern time as we'll be visiting homes each night around that time. So they're on the other side of the world. Our, our morning is, is their night. She says, we, we love you all so much and love hearing from you. That's Southeast Asia. Yeah. Wow. Around, around the globe. Uh, amazing how far away that is and yet how close it is in the Lord's heart. Um, one of the things the missionary asked for us to pray for were open doors. So let's talk about open doors now, Brian. Um, Take out your order of worship, if you will, and find that flap that says 2020, and go ahead and tear that off. Uh, let's walk through this a little bit. As I said, what God can do in our church together is, is only related to what he's going to do in our lives as individuals. So it's going to come down to individual commitments. So Brian, if you would, would you talk us through uh, these options and these commitments that we can make and tell us how we can perhaps uh, find the open doors in our own lives for the 2020 vision? Yeah, keep, keep tearing, tearing paper. I love to hear it. Uh, and and there, there literally is a place for every, everybody in this room to, to, to check, check a box here and, and sign up. And, and um, we start out with, with vision carriers. And, 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 and that's a way, one way of saying, you know, Brother Tim has, has done a phenomenal job relaying the vision that God has, has given this, this church and this family. And, and vision casting is, is, is fantastic, but it doesn't really amount to much without vision carriers. And, and everybody here, every person in this room, every person who's part of Woodburn Baptist Church needs to become a vision carrier. And there's a way for you to carry that vision uh, that, that's as diverse as, as every individual in this room. It it's, it's, it's matches your talents, it matches your interests, it matches your abilities, and it matches whatever call uh, you're, 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 you feel on your heart. And so we start out there by saying, check a box. If you want to be a part of the dreaming and the brainstorming, that will continue. If you have ideas about things we should be doing or considering or, or other churches that, that have started, come, come and talk to us about that. Or I have ideas I'd like to share. I feel called myself uh, to start a church. It's surprising, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing actually to, to, to hear the number of people coming forward to say, saying this is something that has been on my mind and my heart for years and, and I just keep feeling pulled and pulled and pulled, pray for me that, that I can find a way to, to step out in faith and start a church. We need prayer warriors. Uh, we, this church is, such, is filled with prayer warriors. We want to enlist you. We want to do that in a very deliberate and systematic way. Uh, we have uh, part of our, our uh, church plant network team 
is dedicated to organizing how we pray as a church for these planters and for our role in this planting. And so step up, if you will, if, if you're interested in, in joining that effort. And you can check the box. If, you'll, if you want to pray specifically for one of these church plants or one of the planters, let us know that. Uh, gift givers. Uh, the first box there, I'll volunteer my time and talent as needed by one of our church partners. As I said earlier, these guys, they, they need your talents. They need your knowledge. We have almost countless hours, collective hours, of Sunday school teaching represented in this room. Uh, they need to know basic things about how do we organize Sunday school? How do we go out? How do we teach Sunday school? Help us with that. How do we lead worship? Help us with that. Uh, so they need, they need your experience, their, your wisdom, and your knowledge there. Check the, check the box if, if you'd like to like training to become a church planting uh, pastor or, or worship leader. Or check the box if you'd like to give money to support starting these new churches. Finally, or the next one there is connectors. This is something where the, you see the first box that says, I'd like to be the point person between WBC and a church planter. Uh, we, we just need that. You, you can envision as, as we grow this network and we have more and more people, more and more churches planted, we need connectors, somebody who's designated as a point of contact uh, with these new churches. So, so check that box if you're interested. Or I'd like to do something personally to help with one of these specific churches. Uh, finally, travelers. We need people who are willing to go. So you've got opportunities to, to check a box if you're willing to go to, to Perry, Oklahoma, or to Southeast Asia. Or if you just want an opportunity to go to one of our nearby planting sites, I can't overstate how significant that is for these, these folks planting churches. When they, when they see a member or, or several members of our church, church show up and show support for them, it just, it just means so much when they see that physical connection uh, back to Woodburn. And so sign up there if, if, if you're willing and interested in, in doing that. It's just amazing to think about what could happen in five years. Um, God has a big vision and a big purpose for our church. God has a big purpose and vision for your life. And this is what I'm trying to say to you. You've only got one chance at this, only one chance at life. And these next five years seem very, very important in the life of Woodburn Baptist Church. We must be fully surrendered and fully committed to what God is calling us to do individually and then all together. Will you take some time here right now, and uh, some of you are going to be ready to make a commitment, and I'm asking you to make it. Go ahead and mark it. Give us your name, your, the best number to reach you at, your email, and uh, leave this on the platform here on your way out of service this morning, or stop by and speak with either me or Brian. Uh, but whatever God is stirring in your heart, we need to share that together. We need to know what God is saying to each of us so that we can continue to chase down this vision together. Uh, I want us to have a word of prayer, then I want us to have a time of response. Uh, yeah, Lucas Hughes will be leading us in prayer. Let's pray together, and, and then uh, let's re respond together. Lucas, please, brother. Pray with me. Lord God, Father, uh, Lord, uh, we thank you uh, first and foremost for this wonderful day. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to shout praises to you, Lord. This is the day that you have made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Father, we thank you for this wonderful congregation. All the, the, the number of ministries that, that we're all involved in, Lord. Uh, we thank you for, for so many open doors, so many opportunities, Lord. Uh, Lord, sometimes that's, that's all it takes is, is an opportunity and, and, and uh, your call upon our life. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for the words spoken this morning. Uh, we thank you for the feet on the ground in, in Southeast Asia. Uh, we thank you for 
the other churches gathering around Bowling Green this morning, Lord. Uh, Father, we just lift up uh, us individually to you. Uh, we, we pray that, that we would recognize your calling upon our life. Together and pray about what you would have for us, and that uh, just that we would glorify you and in, in whatever you, uh, we feel you're calling us to do. And uh, it's in your son's most precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.